0: Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. I am so excited for today's episode. I have an incredible woman who has actually got her own podcast, which we'll definitely be talking about, um, and she has just reinvented her life. She's got a lot of experience, and she is going to share all the ways in which she bounces out of bed in the morning, and um, welcome to Amanda Ewan. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much super excited. It's going to be fantastic. So, as always, we're going to start with the first five. And in linking with your podcast, I thought it was only appropriate that we um, talk about the first five minutes of any day. And when you're in bed, you just creak your eyelids open and You think, oh, here we are another day and how to approach those first five minutes. So, One thing that I thought about, which actually I probably do subconsciously, is just listening to the sound. So listening to the birds, listening to nature. I hate Wednesday mornings because I listen to the dustbin men come and pick the bins up. Um, So I don't look forward to Wednesday morning. But otherwise, um, usually can hear the noises around. Um, Perhaps another suggestion is to set three intentions for the day. So before you even jump out of bed, can you think of three things that you want to achieve or possibly three positive um, attitudes that you're going to take with you through the day? Or just use that time just to set your mindset in a really good place. And then my third thought was a stretch. So I love a stretch before I even get out of bed. So what happens with the muscles when you go to sleep, they relax. If you are someone with chronic pain or who has um, a lower back problem, or you have an injury that just kind of niggles, and especially in winter, then throughout that sleep time, you're actually going to, um, you're going to feel like in the morning that the body isn't primed to jump out of bed. So why not take a stretch before you even get out of bed? And that will set your body right for um, before you take your first few steps. And then you've got a couple of wonderful suggestions as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so um, one of the biggest things is actually noticing what you're thinking when you wake up. So often it can be quite negative and great idea to just notice, notice what's happening and just think, isn't that fascinating?
0: Absolutely. I think that's always a message that I'm trying to spread is awareness. And that's a, that's a running theme throughout all of these discussions is that the more aware we are, of, uh, we are of ourselves, our feelings, our physical feelings, our emotions, our mindset, then the more we can do to empower ourselves to make each day better. And then uh, a fifth one, if you will, please, Amanda.
1: That would be not even lying in bed. So as soon as you wake up, to get up, and you could use uh, Mel Robbins, who you may or may not have heard of, has the 54321 method, which is just counting backwards like you're launching a rocket at NASA and you're just 54321, I'm getting up and I'm not going to hit the snooze button because that's the intention I set the night before, and then you're up Fun, and you can't fantastic. engage in thought.
0: So actually I've got um, a horrible alarm and that makes me get up because I don't have my phone by my bedside table and um, I can just hear it sort of continually groaning at me from another room. So I'm like, damn it, I can't stand this. Any, it usually lasts about 20 seconds. And then I, I'm just like, fine. Okay, whatever. I'll get up. And I used to remember as a, sco- a school kid, I hated mornings. It wasn't an, a really early start, but 7.15. And I would always count to 15 seconds. I don't know why, like 20 seconds Seemed a little bit too much of a lion, anything less than 15, and I was just angry. So, yeah, I think that's a really wonderful way to help k- get yourself, as you say, like flying off into the day like a rocket. That's wonderful. Um, Amanda, thank you so much again for coming. We're just going to start with you talking a little bit what about yourself, um, how you've got to this point. I'm so excited to hear all the lessons that you have to share. Um, and just to get to know you a bit and introduce yourself to everyone that's listening. So over to you.
1: Thank you. Gosh, it's, it's certainly been a journey. The funniest thing is I used to say when I started life coaching about six years ago, so I am now a lifestyle coach helping high achievers bounce out of bed in the morning so they can shift from feeling meh to magnificent. And I used to say, oh, I don't really have a story and, you know, life's been pretty...
0: Everyone has a story. <laughs> I love people's stories. You, everyone, oh my gosh, everyone has a story and I can't wait to hear yours.
1: Uh, yeah, but th- and then I created uh, quite a crazy next three or four years of my life. That, mm-hmm. that definitely means that, that I had a story after that. But of course, yes, of course I did have a story and I travelled for five years straight, three, three years out of uni being a podiatrist, straight out of school I worked on a gold mine when I was 18 for a year in the middle of Western Australia, which was pretty super oh exciting. God.
0: Did you make loads of money? or was No, was I was just
1: putting dirt in bags oh. and then directing the trucks to where the gold was needed to be dumped. And so, I don't know, I made a pretty average hourly rate. But you worked 14 days straight and then had a week off and it seemed pretty cool yep. when I was 18.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that was a, a huge life experience, 100 men and four women. and. Wow. Yeah, being 18 and I took a year off uni. So, yeah, then I travelled and I thought I was going to go and find the best place in the world to live and decided that was where I was born in Perth and came back.
0: So interesting you say that because obviously I'm not from here but I have lived here 10 years and it's the only place where I've gone on holiday, come back off holiday and not had the holiday blues. So, any time I went on holiday from the UK... You'd always kind of uh, uh, just account for that week after where you thought, oh, I just feel really low and depressed. It's like, it's okay. We just acknowledge it's a holiday blues, but it's just part of going away on a lovely holiday. Here, never had the holiday blues. I'm just like, yes, I'm back. Love Perth. So I can appreciate why you've not really left.
1: Yeah, so good. And now for the first time living near the beach, I'm, I'm going to the end of the. Um, life journey now (laughs) so far. But living near the beach, it's just the first time in my life I've thought that I don't want to be anywhere else.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And that is probably um, representation of also you just being happier in your skin. So obviously, um, when people aren't content in themselves, they can be in Hawaii or a luxury resort or Dubai or, you know, somewhere incredible, but you can still have low mood and you can still not Feel happy where you are. So happy where you are is happy in yourself. And then plonk you anywhere, and you hopefully will just be as content. And that's obviously the work that you help to empower others to get to that stage. But um, it does help having an ocean surrounding <laughs> us, and it does help having lovely beaches. And we're going to talk quite a lot actually about the benefit of of water and um, the ocean swimming that we both enjoy. So um, I did interrupt your story a little bit. H- I'm interested to know how you went from full-time podiatry and um, I think it's fair to say quite a consistent few decades perhaps. Um, fill in the gaps in that because there's still elements of that, I'm sure, are going to be um, really interesting and will inform then the big shift that took place a few years ago. So, um, yeah, fill me in.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I... I loved working with people as a podiatrist and I just did it straight out of school because I wanted to have a job that I had a job after uni and be able to travel and be my own boss and work with my hands and do something a bit different. I always like to be a little bit unique and, and it just evolved and I sort of thought that's what, I, that's what I do now for the rest of my life and probably around the time where I started my own practice 20 years ago and was pregnant as well. And I started to think I'm much more interested in people, in their mind and how they behave.
0: And and I, their toes and I toenails. Not their, toenails their
1: or solving that problem, <laughs> whatever pain problem they had. And I was really intrigued with why they weren't changing anything. Like mm. I've told you you need to behave differently to stop this pain and then you come back in to see me and you've done nothing. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't just one person it was fairly consistent. And and I started to think there was more to life, but I didn't really think that it would be possible for me. You know, what else did I do? I didn't really want to go back to uni and study psychology or do any of that stuff. And it wasn't until I had my own life coach mm-hmm. that I just picked up a business card. My youngest daughter was probably about two, and I picked up a business card that said, life coach slash counsellor. And I thought, I don't need a counsellor because there's nothing wrong with me, Mm -hmm. but I do need some help with time management and managing my life. And so I went and saw her and I've never, I never looked back. And I think from the first session, I just thought, this is what I want to do. She did try to tell me that there was no way I could manage all of the things that I was trying to put into my life. In the amount of time that I had, like it was physically impossible. And I remember thinking, oh, you obviously don't know what you're talking about. I'll just go and find another one, yeah. another life coach that can actually help me, because I know I can fit all those things in, which was.
0: Isn't it so ironic that we seek these people to help us and then we refuse to acknowledge <laughs> their help when they give it? Like, I've got, I'm seeing a uh, physio and he has categorically said over the last five and a half months that I dislocated my shoulder. I'm like, no, I haven't. No, I absolutely – I can't remember a time I dislocated my shoulder. So, therefore, I haven't and I'm not going to do the rehab because, you know, bodies fix themselves. It's fine. And yet I've been paying this man hundreds of dollars every week. So, it's interesting that you – I think it's – that's the first part of – Getting onto a different path of uh, a more healthy journey is acceptance and hearing the messages that professionals, that people that care for you, that people that are uh, um, qualified to tell you have to share. So it's um yeah, no surprise that initially you're like, oh, what are you talking about? You don't know me. You're a load of rubbish. Um <laughs> exactly. I'm sure you come up against that with your life coaching clients now. I certainly do when I'm when I'm going in and advising people and doing life coaching. So for
1: sure. And you can't necessarily tell them because that's their journey. I'm not here to tell people yes. what to do. I'm here to guide them to help themselves. So but mostly now they're coming to me when they're ready for change and when they're understanding that. So I did stick with that life coach and I just planted a seed that this is how I want to help people myself and it took some time after that you know you, you're raising kids and doing all the things and I was always giving to other people as well and it wasn't until I lived in Karatha, moved up there which is 17 hours north of Perth by car for those of you that don't know Western Australia and uh, and it's, it's a remote place but there's amazing opportunities and I dive dove into the world of small business when I was in Karatha and
0: were you were you then doing not podiatry, were you then doing what you're doing now? I was Karratha. still
1: doing podiatry until two weeks ago. So
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. I didn't I didn't know that because I've heard from about you and from you because we've chatted about life coaching, we've chatted about our passions for wellness and well being and empowering other people. So um Yes, I knew that you were still doing podiatry and just winding that up. But I just talking to you now and and hearing what you have to say, I just assumed that you've been a life coach for many, many years. But um, tell me more. Sorry, I interrupted. About oh no, Martha. interrupt,
1: interrupt anytime. That makes an exciting
0: conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: so. So went to Karatha with my ex-husband's work and the kids were seven and nine and it just seemed drive? like a new adventure. You said it
0: was a 17 hour. We drove, like we drove, we drove, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: we drove up and, Ooh. and had removalists doing everything else. Um, yep. and ha- had a delayed start cause it's cyclone season and there was a cyclone on the way. So we stopped in Coral Bay and then we had to go through some incredible puddles. We'd never been in the Pilbara before and it was just, yeah, the Pilbara is the region that it's that it's known as and uh, yeah it was really interesting and we got there and the the swimming pool in the house that we rented was overflowing and like it was just there was debris everywhere and just got there and went what are we doing Uh, an amazing journey went for two years stayed for nine and discovered that my purpose really there that um, wasn't necessarily podiatry I knew it wasn't, but pod- I actually had known it wasn't podiatry. I just didn't know what else was possible or what I could do. And then I went and saw a life coach when I was the chairman of a board. I went to Melbourne and I had a, I, I had a spare day that was for the small business centre. So I was really involved in that entrepreneurial community and, and super excited about that. And I knew I wasn't so excited about being a podiatrist. I'd won an award for my business through podiatry and I'd and I at the chamber of commerce there and I I just sort of knew that I really wanted to win an award for being
0: yes uh, doing Isn't my it purpose it's interesting sometimes the accolades we get and the recognition we get and I've spoken about this in a previous episode that the reason I changed direction in life is because I was given praise by my, the CEO and the boss and you know someone who I really should have accepted that praise from and him giving me praise for something that I wasn't passionate about Made me change my whole life and my career. So it's interesting that probably, maybe subconsciously, once you got that award, you're thinking, "Oh, I don't want an award in this. I've reached the top. I've reached the pinnacle, and and it's not giving me that sense of satisfaction." And I think that's really um, important to recognise is how you feel when you get to the goal that you've set yourself. Because I think we go through life. Um, through societal pressure or um, just your own kind of goal setting and you set this goal maybe a year in the past or you've had a goal to complete your degree and then you get to the end and it's how you feel again going back to awareness when you achieve that thing that you have set your heart and soul and um, your mind to and if you don't get that uh, overwhelming sense of joy and satisfaction and pride then you that's a really good kind of signifier that maybe you're not doing the right goal setting. Maybe you need to be focusing on something more passionate and more aligned with yourself. So were you on that stage or when you received your award? Was it a sense of, "Yay, I've made it. Now I can move on. Or a bit more, oh, I don't feel what I thought I'd feel. Or, well, yeah. How did you feel in that moment of getting to, you know, winning an award for what you do and becoming an expert in it is
1: Interesting question, it was super exciting at the time, but what I was most excited about was that I knew if I won the award, we didn't find out in advance, I had the opportunity to do a two minute speech about it. Mm -hmm. So I hired myself a speaking coach and I was petrified of public speaking And I learned to public speak and I practiced my two-minute speech, acceptance speech, not even knowing if I'd be able to use it.
0: The art of manifestation. It seems as if you (laughs) were going to win that all along. That's a whole other topic. Yes. And I
1: remember being by the swimming pool at the house and talking into a pen, practicing my speech and my daughter, who was 11 at the time, coming out and going, what are you doing, mum? And I said, ah, I'm rehearsing my speech she goes no you're not you're talking to a pen
0: yeah oh <laughs> so good
1: and I think I was most excited about the people that had come up to me afterwards and said that speech was incredible and most people got up there and went well I wasn't expecting to win this award well I went why did you enter an award you weren't expecting to win like what yeah. <laughs> and um, why wouldn't you have done a speech? I just couldn't understand why other people hadn't done a speech and then I thought oh public speaking is so cool, I want to I public speak but I can't, I don't want to talk about podiatry <laughs> and, uh, and so it just planted a seed that I want to do more of this and fast forward 10 years to having my own podcast and starting my public speaking journey as well uh, but always I think you have that in your head and you just, oh, I'm not, it, it's that difference between that intuitive knowing and then the belief from societal conditioning and your life journey that it's yep. possible.
0: I think that's a wonderful example of how important it is to check back in on a an event or a situation or a poignant time in in your life, in your career, or anything where instead of just ex- like really, you should have been excited to win the award and to get the recognition for your work in podiatry and working with people's feet, when it actually was all about the public speaking and having two minutes up there and being in front of it. So what a wonderful kind of um lesson in in taking that example so there's so many ways in which we can I think we need to do that and and if you you know score a goal and um in a in a sports field in a match and then the what makes you feel amazing is all your teammates coming around you and you get that sense of community and friendship that's more important than scoring the goal or maybe it's um knowing that you've drawn and then both teams get to you know feel like no one's lost it's it's really interesting how our feelings associated to the thing that we're doing is more important actually than what we are doing and obviously that's all about life coaching is bringing people back into themselves finding out what makes them tick and and making them bounce out of bed in the morning and take on the day um I would love to talk a little bit about Um, the importance of the ocean. We've touched on it already. And I also have gained so much from just cleansing in the ocean, bubbling around, kind of just floating whilst these keen peeps in their swim caps kind of do their laps from groin to groin. I'm just sort of like bobbing up and down, enjoying the sunrise. Um, Tell me about when you first got into the ocean and how that has become almost a daily practice for you and what you gain from doing that and and what you gain from the ocean and um, open water swimming. So
1: I was a swimmer all my childhood into my teenage years and then I, I've always been a distance athlete. Anything I do is kind of endurance. And I started doing river swims and and I some ocean swims when I was in my early 20s. and then oh, I know, life just I didn't live near the ocean. I grew up. my grandma lived near the ocean. we were an hour's drive away from her, but we would go nearly every weekend and swim and I remember swimming right through and I always loved so swimming in the colder weather I had an auntie who just went in whenever wherever we'd go camping with them a lot cold rivers cold oceans whatever she would swim and I'd just go what
0: was your local river and just can you describe that bit because for some reason that seems more hardcore and more awesome i watched this documentary of this guy that swam down the Amazon and fought off piranhas and like crocodile all this stuff and I just think wow that's more magic I've never even thought to swim in a river properly you know a little dip again in the mornings but talk to me about a, a bit more about that so
1: camping in Western Australia we would go to dwelling up on the Murray River it's sort of not, not in organised campgrounds it would be fairly much in the middle of nowhere illegal
0: camping just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we do that a bit yeah
1: <laughs> And the Blackwood River as well. So we were great at just going and, you know, spending an hour or two finding a spot and then we would go back to that repetitively. And then just going in, just swimming. And it's scary because you can't see the bottom. It's murky.
0: Yes. Do you go upstream and kind of go, ooh, this is breezy, this is fun, go with the current? Or is it about... You need to know that you can turn around and come back. Because I've taken a sup on the river, the Murray River, before. And the, the way there, I'm like, yeah, loving life, just floating along. And then you turn around, and you're like, shit, <laughs> I'm stuck. And, you're like, a, two hours later, you get back 100 metres upstream. So you always... Going out a long way, turning around, coming back or someone pick you up at the end? I no, I
1: didn't do hugely long swims then on those camping trips. It would be more just, and it was a pool. You'd make sure you were well away from the rapids, So there wasn't anything going to suck you downstream. And yeah. then you would just go up as far as you could and comfortably and then, and then come back.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you had any little marin or like eels? Or, ooh, I don't know, because like you say, you can't see what's at the bottom. No,
1: it's more the submerged logs that might bite True. you. Or, yeah, just, yeah. Just being very mindful of those because you, you can't necessarily see. Um, but it is a lot colder in the river than it is in the ocean.
0: Really? In
1: winter, absolutely. Gosh, you're
0: learning so much. Yes. Is that, would you say, because the currents don't like, I don't know, make it water w- warmer or I wonder why that's... Because I thought, because it's shallower, it would somehow be, we don't need to go into the physics of the <laughs> temperatures of water, but there we go. I didn't know that. Fun fact. Um, so then you transitioned to ocean swimming and um, am I right in saying you do it most days all year round?
1: Yes. I've only lived near the ocean for two years. Um, up north in Karatha, the ocean wasn't really that exciting to swim in, so I got into mountain bike riding because I've always loved adventure. Yeah, And... Then when I came down to Perth, I'm just like, oh, it's right—it's six-minute drive away or a ten-minute ride. Yep. Literally, only a few more minutes to jump on my bike, and I started swimming by myself longer distances. But that wasn't—that was a bit scary, yep. and uh, and not not so much for ocean creatures but also just worrying about sort of being in the middle of nowhere in the ocean and then I would swim in shark nets which was a bit more enclosed and then I discovered a, a few friends that or a, a, the husband of a friend of mine uh, swam regularly so I joined them and they go two to three times a week and do a long swim so I'll do a 40 minute two kilometre
0: swim all year round if we can the last casually popping (laughs) in it only takes me 40 minutes to do 2k that would take me like four hours i can't believe aussies you're just so casual with your amazing water ability i'm terrible i was actually invited in to do an ocean swim it's part of my old work and it was i was down in gracetown looking after family they have this easter comp and um i thought it was a bloody long way apparently it's only about 700 meters <laughs> like oh yeah sure so jump in and then it was the grandma of this family that had entered me so enthusiastically into this race her um grandsons won they took every age group they they came first and i'm like gasping for air just freezing cold bringing up the rear just happy that i finished without drowning she went, wow, well, yeah, you really can't swim, can you? And I've done triathlons and I've swum my whole life. I was so offended. But there is a, is a special gift, I think, when you grow up in this country and you can, like you say, just jump into rivers, jump into oceans um, your whole life. And you're very much more naturally gifted, I think, Aussies. So what is it that you gain from being in the ocean? Because especially now it's freezing, it's probably dark when you go in, definitely raining in the last few days, weeks. Um, the, what's appealing? What do you know that once you've done the swim, what do you gain from it and why do you keep going all year round? Because that's amazing.
1: <laughs> it's so interesting because I really, I actually enjoy winter more because of the challenge yep. and because there's not as many people there. Even today I said to... Um, the friends that I swim with where are all the people where are all these hardcore people
0: why are there not more of us? They are sane and they're (laughs) staying warm and asleep (laughs) they're dreaming (laughs) I went down as well on Monday and it was really stormy the water was halfway up the beach no one was there but I did it specifically as a memorial dip I didn't swim I just sort of rolled around in the whitewash for my father-in-law whose funeral it was and um, my partner said, there's no one here, babe. I think it's not safe. And I was like, yeah, you make a really good point, actually. There's no one here, so maybe that should be a sign that I shouldn't be getting in. But that's why I knew I went up to my ankles. But, um, yeah, that didn't phase you. That doesn't... It
1: it, it uh, Part of me, it's really interesting, the things that come up. But what I get from it, I do it because I, of the feeling afterwards. Like ev- we, you talk about feeling all the time. How do I want to feel? And I woke up this morning and I've had some big changes happened in my life recently not just leaving podiatry then um, finding out that the house I'm renting has just sold and I need to move so there's lots of things and I woke up and I thought I just want to go back to bed and then I went how do I want to feel I know I'm coming to this interview today I'm going to go for a drive how would I feel if I didn't swim and how will I feel if I do and I and I knew how much my energy would change and shift and I'm just going to be this better person from doing it. And it also helps me get comfortable being uncomfortable because life presents so many challenges and we need so much courage to navigate it. And it just reminds me that I can do hard things.
0: It's such an amazing metaphor for life. I love that. That's why I skateboard and throw myself off stupid high ledges for that same reason is that, um, yeah, life life presents challenges, but the courage you gain from overcoming those small challenges where you are in control and it is an element of excitement and joy means that you then have that confidence for things where they seem out of your control and, and for other life experiences that's that's amazing that's um yeah really i i probably i think you've inspired me actually i'm going to i'm going to cuz you wear a wetsuit you did admit to that which is sensible because obviously you don't want to freeze to death and i think that's the main Um, deterrent for me is that I get extremely cold but um, yeah, I need to pop a wetsuit on I reckon.
1: Yeah, we did start we, we were doing it without a wetsuit until last July so through June but I would find I was just cold to the core and I couldn't warm up and I work mostly in a home office with my coaching business and I it was just unpleasant like it, to be focused on how cold you are. Yep. Um, you you survive and it's fine, but when you're really cold and I shake, I, I can't change that physiological response. Cool. So putting the wetsuit on just makes, and when it's really seaweedy, like today was crazy weed and sand, you don't have to worry about it. Yep. So, you know, sometimes having a cold shower afterwards because there's no warm showers at the beach, getting that seaweed off you can take... You're, you're colder from the cold shower than the 40-minute <laughs> ocean yeah. swim trying to get the weed off. So the, the wetsuit sort of provides that. And, it, and it, it gives you a, an extra layer of, I don't know, protection somehow.
0: You know what's going to happen after this chat? And I'm already thankful, but also... <sighs> I'm already annoyed at you. I'm gonna en- essentially join your swim club. I just know it because every single year, instead of doing a New Year's resolution, I know it's June, but it's kind of start of the new financial year. I do a new sport. Last year was skateboarding. Every year I've tried something completely different. I don't have my thing for next year. Why don't I join you? We'll chat off, off after this conversation. We'll chat, and I'm pretty sure you'll um, yeah, you'll see me next year, kind of struggling to keep up but that would be amazing and I love that you mentioned you actually prefer it with less people because I think we forget sometimes the power of nature and the power of um, the silence and taking away screens technology getting away from the hustle and bustle of life and there is a group that I'm not going to name them and I'm not I'm not going to um, talk badly of them because they are incredible for bringing hundreds of people together into a community environment, enjoying the ocean. I w- I've gone down a couple of times and unfortunately for me, that detracts from the real reason why I go in the ocean, which is to get away from people. It's to feel and be totally present in the coldness of the water or the, the warmness or even if I get stung by a jellyfish or just, you know, the ripples of the water across your your chest or whatever. um, And for me, I think as well, it's such an obvious cleanse. So if you're feeling really emotional and if you're feeling overwhelmed and heavy with um, feelings and trauma and distress, The ocean does an incredible thing of just literally cleansing you of feeling. So I used to massage. I was a massage therapist, much like you as a podiatrist. I was for way too long, and I did it purely just to stay in the country. So I retrained, and I got my visa, and amazingly, it's gotten me to where I am as a citizen. But I'd have some really challenging clients, and it was one um, summer shift. I'd done six hours, and and actually just thought, oh, I just want to go into the ocean, And it literally get rid, I've been touching people for six hours, it just got rid of all of the baggage, all of the energy, all of this, the physical tension, massaging for six hours in a row is quite hard in itself. But it was the emotional release of everybody's baggage that was incredible. So I haven't yet gotten to a point where I swim, I just bob. But whilst bobbing, I'm very much aware of the cleansing effect of the ocean. So Um, interestingly that's mostly what I paint as well somebody said to me the other day why do you paint oceans all the time I hadn't even really thought about it it's just been pretty much a subject matter for my art for the last 10 years so
1: oh they're phenomenal Uh, and you know you might be listening and go, I don't even like the beach or the ocean, and that's fine. We don't have to all like the same things, and I'm glad that not everybody likes the ocean because then there would be way yes. too many people there. So but true. it just is, and there's so many different elements that are that are like life as well. So you you know you dive in, and then the waves are big at the moment, or they're not huge, but that you know you you have to swim a little bit further out, and then they're, they're turbulent, and then there might be clear patches that are just so crystal and you can see fish and then there's patches of really thick seaweed and there's sand everywhere. And then you might get stung by a little jellyfish that doesn't hurt for that long. And, and just, that's what life is like. It's the, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Far out. I'm petrified. (laughs) And it's just like this whole, so it's just that reminder and we can do hard things. We can navigate everything.
0: So true. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. On, um, on that a little bit, I did want to ask you, and this is putting you on the spot a bit, but if you were to give yourself, obviously you've come on a big journey and you've grown into this version of yourself today and you've overcome many challenges um, and you've yeah reinvented yourself. Is there a piece of advice that you would give yourself the younger version of yourself or anything that is a, t- a major takeaway? Obviously, there's so many life lessons. Throughout life's journey, but is there something for you specifically that you just think, oh, I wish I'd known that, or I've really gained that awareness around this one topic?
1: So, I think if I think back 20 years ago, I was pregnant, and I think about that journey as a young mom, and even prior to that, so worried about what other people thought. Mm. And I I so focused everything on external gratification and getting things externally. And I wasn't really aware of that, but I knew that there was something more. And the best thing I ever did was sought help and just not through a friend was actually getting a coach or a counsellor or a psychologist or somebody that could help me develop the tools to navigate life in a better way. And I would love for younger people not to have to worry so much. And I know this is hugely important to you Mm -hmm. about what other people think.
0: Yeah, not needing that external validation. Unfortunately, and I do speak about this, I'm glad you've said that because it comes up in every conversation I have, that we are trained almost, we're conditioned to require external validation, whether it's at school and you're trying to get the mark from your teacher or your parents, you're trying to get a bit of praise from them or your friends you're trying to get an invite to the birthday party which shows you that you're included it's just part of human nature but I think that's a wonderful attribute to just growing up as well Um, regardless of your age you just you can't help but begin hopefully and that's why we do our the work that we do is to as you get older get more comfortable in the person you're becoming Um, so yeah, it's 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 very easy to say to teens and to young adolescents, and just don't just don't care so much. <laughs> and I always give the analogy of dancing. So I, d- I don't drink alcohol. I never have, um, for various reasons. I don't need to go into. But I will always be the first on the dance floor. And I've been asked a few times, "Oh my God, don't you don't you worry about what people are thinking of you?" And there's two reasons I give to no, I don't really care. Is that one, most people are more concerned about how they are looking to everyone else in the room they're too worried about how they're being perceived that they aren't even looking at me dancing and also if there's one person that is uncomfortable or embarrassed or doesn't like the fact that I'm dancing well actually that's their issue to have to deal with and I'm loving life I'm having a good old boogie so um, it's a little bit like life take yourself out of the dance floor out of that that room or that club or whatever, and people are so worried about themselves that they're not even noticing really what you're doing. So why don't we all just stop worrying? Let's just go on and be authentic. And I think that's um, wonderful that that's the outcome for your clients that work with you and hopefully anyone that listens to this, they can unapologetically find a way to be a bit more comfortable in who they are and really celebrate being true to themselves. That's really lovely. Um, we are, I mean, we could talk for hours and hours, but we get, we're going to have to wrap up eventually. So what I like to finish with is a never. So never do this, because often we are taught what to do. We're we're given advice. We're, we're often told how to go about life and kind of prescribed all these things, that influences and whatnot. But very rarely do people go, actually, don't do this. There are some fundamental things you should just never do. And I thought it was... Um, Quite fitting, a little bit ironic maybe, but um, never deprive yourself of enough sleep. So although obviously we wanna get to jumping out of the bed in the morning and bouncing out and and taking on the day, I just wanted to touch on the importance of sleep. I'm gonna do a whole podcast on this because it is so fascinating. And that was one of my jobs with my old client, was making sure that he slept enough because he only got about three hours Um, a night so there is one percent of people in the world that can survive off two hours or less a night so one percent i don't know the mass on that but it's a teeny weeny weeny amount of people and it doesn't have some of the side effects that are normally associated with sleep deprivation which include impaired cognition higher levels of anxiety higher levels of depression a higher risk of a stroke A higher risk of diabetes, because when you're tired, you tend to then reach for sugary foods and a higher rate of weight increase. They're just a few of um, the kind of negative side effects to not getting enough sleep. You need about, the average person needs between seven and eight hours. I think most people know that. So even if you are really, really kind of aware of this fact, I would love if you could just Remind yourself of the seven, eight hours rule and maybe see if you can prioritize setting the alarm, um, maybe give yourself an extra half an hour or maybe go to bed a little bit earlier. Um, so yes, never deprive yourself of sleep. And then the absolute last thing before I'm going to let you just talk a little bit about your socials and your um, avenues that you deliver your amazing work is a little bit of homework. I like to call it self-work. Um And I thought it was only fitting to choose one morning a week where you do something or you start the day slightly differently. So I will do that. I will promise, everyone listening, I am going to join Amanda for a grossly early start, probably. I didn't even ask you what time you go, but I'm going to go join you for a swim. If I'm welcome, I'm inviting myself. But um, that's going to be my, I promise, I will do the little self-work as well and that is going to be for me I will go to a ocean morning swim one day next week have you got one that I mean you do it anyway every morning but have you got a little kind of new thing you could put into your morning to help you bounce out of bed a bit better
1: a new thing would be just stopping and I was meditating for 10 years pretty much in the morning and then I got COVID this year and I wasn't particularly well and it's gone out the window. So, I would love to introduce that back in to my day and it was just a, a, an incredible way. I teach meditation. I use it in my coaching as well and I do do it at least once a day, but back into my morning yep. would be uh, amazing.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so, so much. This has been beautiful. I've loved getting to know a bit more about you and what you offer and your wonderful impact on the world. Where can people find you and um, how can we follow your stories and your conversations on your podcast? Tell me everything I need to know so I can write it down and everyone else at home can write it down as well.
1: Awesome. So my podcast is called Bounce Out of Bed and I'm Amanda Ewan E-W-I-N. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I am Amanda Ewan, same spelling, <laughs> on Instagram and Amanda Ewan Coaching on Facebook. You can also friend me. I share a lot of stuff in, on my personal page as well. And I'm on LinkedIn at Amanda Ewan. And I have a website, AmandaEwan.com, and you can reach me through DMs. I, Instagram's probably my fave. And I think that's where we crossed paths initially yes. as well. So, yeah, yeah I'd love, I'd love, I'd respond. I love connection. I'm a connector.
0: Yep. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. Is there anything final that you wish to say or should we leave it there?
1: I just wanted to say, trust your intuition. If I hadn't trusted my intuition, we would never be standing here having this conversation and just trust, trust and trust some more.
0: So true. I I second that a hundredfold, Amanda. Thank you so, so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you um, in a wave somewhere very soon. (laughs) Excellent, thank you. All right, bye.